your favorite toy truck nerds are back. Welcome to That Scale RC Show. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of That Scale RC Show, and this is number 75. I'm one of your hosts, Travis, along with Adam and Jay. How you guys doing? What's up, guys? How's it going? Doing good. Yeah. It's been it's been kind of a quiet week again. So not a whole lot it is has. new. Yeah. It has. Um there was uh there uh, who was it? it was Ryan Crowley was answering some of our stuff last week when I was texting him, which I probably should have been more prepared and pulled that up before we started recording. But because um, remember we were talking about the guy from Proline. Oh, the painter. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think I was just talking to Chris Trudeau about this, wasn't I? Charlie Barnes. Yeah, yeah. I had forgotten the name again. Yeah, that's that's who it was. Yep. So, yeah, I always love it. Uh, he'll <laughs> uh, he'll text me and like I'll just get like we'll be talking about something, then all of a sudden he'll say one thing, and then I'll be like, huh? And he goes, that's the you know, and you're like, oh, okay. So he he must be listening to the podcast when he uh, texts me. <laughs> just texting you alongside listening. Yep. I used to get that a lot with track walk. Actually, it was kind of funny. I've had that happen before. <laughs> but um, yeah. And then the other thing, the only quick thing I wanted to make a, um, a quick little announcement about was my actual true local hobby shop. The owners are retiring March 31st. So therefore, my true only local hobby shop will be gone. So, yeah. So if there is anybody in this area that would like to go there, um, shop, say goodbye, because they are trying to get rid of everything in the store. Um, I believe they're doing 20% off right now. It's J&M Hobby House in San Carlos, California. Okay. So, but yeah, it's kind of sad because like anytime I needed something like, oh, I'm working on something. Oh, I just ran out of like a certain color of paint. I could run over to the store and buy it and I wouldn't have to wait for it to come. And, or like I needed, you know, certain like electronic parts, whatever for the cars, I just go and I could pick it up. Wasn't any kind of waiting. So kind of sucks. And I used to find you know, certain bodies, cause they were the type of shop that, you know, they don't put everything out. So they would hang up like 20 bodies and then they'd, you know, rotate them. So that way, like the next like time people come in, like they're always different. So it looks like they're moving. Well, every once in a while you can find one, like a pro line body that's been discontinued hanging on the wall. And you'd be like, Oh, I'll, that's cool. I want that. You know, cause I haven't seen that in like a year. 
So it's kind of sad. It's all going to be gone. Yeah, I'd never, never good hearing about that. That's too bad. So, but yep, that was really about it that I wanted to get out of the way. Um, did we, did we really want to talk about how to sell and purchase RCs or was that just a joke? No, we can. That's a good question. Go, <laughs> go through the questions and then talk about what to look for. Okay. Oh, so you want to do questions first. Probably Might not as a, well. It kind of freezes up that way. Probably not a bad idea, actually. All right. Well, let's just jump right in. Okay, so first one is from Nick LaRusso. He says, RC manufacturers logos on bodies if you're not sponsored. Your thoughts? I'm all about it. If somebody's, like, proud of a brand and they're supportive of it, I do it. I think it's cool. Yeah, I don't understand, you know, why some people are, you know, like, why they'd be, like, taken back or, you know, shocked about it because – um, I mean, even before any sponsors I had, I used to put stickers of, you know, the brands. It's kind of like the way I view it is like the people that drive down the road and let's say they're an avid mountain biker and they got like Santa Cruz bikes or Fox, you know, like the motocross brand sticker on the back of their, their truck or SUV. I'm not going to automatically assume that they're sponsored by it. Yeah. I just, you know, we've, this is a question we see a lot in the racing world. Um, because I, I mean, we've been asked it a lot, actually, you know, like, is it lame to get sponsor stickers if I'm not actually sponsored by a brand, you know, like when somebody would, you know, get a decal package for the race body from us and stuff and they would, you know, should I put the chassis manufacturer on it if I'm not sponsored? And I, my answer is always, yeah, I mean, if you're into it, absolutely, you know, show your pride. Yeah. Um, Darwin and your last name, I'm going to butcher. Um, so just Darwin says, so not just putting it on the washing machine in regards to your photo shoot setup. Oh. All, all I do is use my phone intending to use pro mode raw photo files, but forgetting to, I kind of, I kind of, uh, can relate a little bit to the, uh, like the washing machine thing because, I like my area for any time I need to take a picture or something like is not remotely photogenic because mostly because of my lighting more than anything. Yeah. And so I always have to get like really creative and then ultimately I just end up not taking the picture at all. It was just so nice to get out and get real pictures because the quality of like our social media posts and stuff this winter have been just so bad. I mean, like the scale garage stuff's really cool and everything, but it's still not as cool as like out in natural lighting and, you know, green backgrounds and rock and stuff. I mean, it just doesn't, it's not the same. So it was good to actually get some decent pictures. Where did you go today? That was deception pass that was deception. I need to film here. Those Dude, it's, some nice it's pictures. rad. Okay. It, it was really fun. Like uh, a lot of those pictures, I'm just like straight up playing on like the wet ground and grass, <laughs> like trying to get good shots and stuff. And I almost died. I don't know how many times like stumbling backwards on stuff and everything. Cause a lot of the stuff that's there is not super like pedestrian friendly. Right. 
at least, you know, like the good terrain. I mean, there's nice flat spots, but any cool, like little rock outcroppings and stuff is like kind of in some precarious places, but, uh, no, it's a good spot. But like, I, you know, it was crazy as I'm driving down 20, like I, you know, I'm taking 20 and then how it continues on to Whidbey Island. Mm -hmm. And so I'm driving along and dude, there is so much snow like piled up on the side of the road and in the trees and stuff. And like, I'm sitting there going, man, I am probably going to be lucky if there's, you know, anything even remotely drivable today, you know? And so I get there, dude, nothing. Like I had to search for like the tiniest little patch of snow for one picture. Like it was just, I was really, really shocked because I mean, it was just the whole drive there. There's just snow all over the place. And then it was just beautiful where we're at. I mean, it just, it couldn't have been a better day. It was so nice. That's awesome. Yeah, we'll film there for sure, Sam. Yeah, I definitely need to go. Um, Wes Braswell says, was planning on renting an RV with a buddy for ProLine by the fire, but not sure if he will make it now. I'm not sure what to do for lodging. Ah. I I don't even know what's down there near Horseman's Park or anything. I couldn't even tell you. A lot of dirt. Yeah. I was going to say, I think the closest thing is like, an hour away, 45 minutes to an hour away, the closest like town with lodging. You know what though, an event like that, that's a couple days and it's going to be like dirty and dusty. It, I would drive an hour to get like a shower and a good night's sleep. Yeah. I don't know. I, we years ago when I went to an NCT with our buddy, Joey, and we, it was in Walla Walla, but we couldn't get any hotel rooms in Walla Walla. So the first night we had to get one down in Pendleton and that oh, was like wow. 40 Oregon. Yeah. And that was like 45 minutes to an hour. And like that first like day alone was just kind of miserable. So I don't know if that's, I don't know. I day one, maybe it wouldn't be too bad, but after a while I'd be, I'd be pretty sick about the hour commute to go to an event. Pasco was a ways for us from the hotel. Yeah, but it's still even then only 15, 20 minutes. Was it? God, it felt like forever. Maybe it's because that's just like barren, desolate. Oh, it, it felt like a long drive. It feels a lot longer than it is, yeah. Dude, that whole area, like driving to Walla Walla and just all of that area is just like northern central california is what it reminds me of yeah. just dead dead grass and rolling hills southeast washington is rough for driving yeah yeah, yeah. for real um but yeah i mean unless you can yeah find someone to share a room with me yeah, that's probably going to be your best bet Are okay so having it last that's what, see that's what i was just about to cut in and say because i was reading this because while you know travis was talking um it says, you know, it still says the same thing that it said um, last year. Hello, everyone. We have been diligently um, putting forth an effort to lock down a location for ProLine by the Fire 2020. Unfortunately, due to the continued pandemic and California stance on public gatherings, as well as the inability to get approval from the Bureau of Land Management, county, or city for our event, we have no choice but to postpone the event until 2021. We really wanted to make this work, but just ran out of luck. Now we are calling this a postponement for a few reasons. And then it goes into all that, but there hasn't been any 
update, to my knowledge. Yeah, not surprising. Because, I mean, when I don't even know when they posted that. That's what I'm looking for. I haven't heard yeah. anything on that event. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to look to see if it says anything about that. Like, if it says, like, oh, this has been updated, yada, 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 yada. And I don't, there's nothing. So. And then <laughs> under the discussion. <sighs> so somebody asked, so are the dates May 14th through the 16th still good for 2021 prolonged by the fire? I'm scheduling time off work. I need to know. And right. Oh, so Proline answered this five weeks ago because this was in January. Unfortunately, with the state of COVID in California, it is hard to say with 100% accuracy. However, as of now, we are planning to hold the event at Horseman's on May 14th to 16th as scheduled. If something changes, we will give at least one month notice of a schedule change. I certainly wish I could give more of a confident answer, but that is the reality of what we are all dealing with right now. I do know this. When we do all get together, it is going to be amazing, and I cannot wait. So, yeah. Hmm. I guess take that as uh, how you will, because it sounds like to me... hard, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. So and that's a hard one too, especially for someone like Wes who's coming across the states, you know, to do this. You know, not just one state, but like he's seven like or eight. Pennsylvania or something, isn't he? Isn't he like yeah. back? Wow. Yeah. That's so good. I mean, that's a mission, especially to be saying that you're going to come out to an event that you that, that they're still not even sure that they're having. So yeah. I don't know. That's tough. That's got to be a tough one. Yeah. This Sean asked me today at work, he was like, you know, you haven't, you know, what do you think you're going to do out at the park this summer? And I was like, well, as of now, probably nothing. I was like, because I have absolutely no faith in any plans at this point. Like, it's like it, everything can change so suddenly that like, yeah, it's not even worth making any plans right now. Like I'm not even remotely thinking about it until I know for sure it's not going to get canceled or closed down or something because like, if you learned anything through this is that you can't trust it whatsoever. Yeah. I've got a pretty like healthy list of stuff I want to do, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Um, Nick Luruso with another question. He says for people just starting out and crawling, if they buy an RTR, what are some recommendations on what you should do before driving it? Uh, for example, check screws, diffs, transmission, etc. He pretty much said it. Oh, I mean, yeah. take it out of the box and make sure it actually works before you drive to wherever you're going. Yeah. I was gonna say that, that would be my only thing. I've never checked anything other than making sure once you put the batteries in that it works. Yeah. There's, I mean, we have so many rigs that honestly, like there's some that I just don't care. You know what I mean? Like they get driven so little and if it's like, you know, if whatever, if a set of gears wears out or something, whatever, I'll replace it. You know, like there's certain times that it's just like, how much effort do you really want to put into it? You know? Yeah. I mean, I've got an RTR that's never been a part at all. So, 
two of them actually. Um, yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. I just make sure it turns on beyond that. Let it rip. It's an RTR, so chances are, I mean, if if something, in many cases too, like you might fail on the first run or might fail on the 50th like you don't really know so i mean you might as well just kind of go out there and roll the dice but just make sure it actually works first so you're not super bummed where you ever you get where you're going because like if you're here it's an hour to get wherever we're going to go depending on where you are and so you get all that way and you never turn the thing on then yeah that's a rough day (laughs) like if we would have taken a laser nut car somewhere but I was trying not to say it, but yeah, like <laughs> if we had taken the laser nut anywhere but outside of the garage, yes, that would not have been the us. raddest electronics Which ever. Is the only reason I even mentioned just turning it on, yeah, because I, that's something I hadn't really thought about until then. So <laughs> even now, you learn some stuff. Um, yeah. Chris Trudeau, he says, for people struggling with crawler setup said uh, much like in racing there's typically a hierarchy of processes like tires shocks roll center etc uh can can it be or is the same true for crawling like what steps and processes should people be trying to help improve the crawling capabilities of a rig before reverting to facebook posting about how company xyz makes a crappy crawler do you start with tires shock oil or spring and then what's the crawler hierarchy from most important to least or maybe easiest to hardest um, and understand that terrain and conditions vary dirt versus rock and that, you know, can play a specific, you know, play specifically in tire choice. Yeah. It, the, the people that take to the pages and talk about how a car sucks or something, it's like, honestly, like what are their qualifications really, you know? I mean, the, you have to take all that stuff with a grain of salt. And honestly, I think the majority of us don't take those people seriously at all just because we know better, yeah. you know, and I think a lot of people do know better. But with crawler setup, it's really hard because they're all so different. I mean, there's dudes that have, you know, a hard body that's all scaled out or there's, you know, a guy that runs a super bare basic just Lexan body and nothing else like no scale detail or, you know, like it, it's so hard to just give people a generic setup that's going to just work, you know, like, I mean, like you said, you know, tire choice, the terrain, things like that play a huge factor in how you've got your rig set up um especially tires i think like tires is kind of one of those things that you just need to talk to people in your area not really people on facebook if you're looking to get some solid answers um because you know i mean talk to the dudes that you drive with and you know they'll tell you what works and what doesn't but somebody who's on the other side of the country and they drive in you know red clay and roots they're not going to really have anything for you in the way of like wisdom so i don't know it's tough i mean you can mess with link geometry i think that's kind of like one of the few universal things that works on all of them you know um getting your rear links fairly close to parallel that can make a huge difference um what else uh shock setup god i mean it just it depends who you talk to i mean there's dudes that don't even run oil in their shocks so i mean 
that's another one that's just all over the place. I mean, typically, like what I tell people is run slightly thicker oil, you know, run oil that's kind of on the thick side, like 35 to 42 and a half. Um, I typically go thicker oil in the rear shocks along with a stiffer rear spring. And that seems to be kind of my good happy setup because then, you know, when you have that weight transfer, it's not going to sack out the rear suspension and get the front end all light. You know, it's going to help keep that front end biting by, you know, having it actually push against something instead of just blowing through the travel when you're driving up something. So that's probably something fairly universal. Um, I, I think before I would start throwing like brass and a bunch of stuff at it, I would definitely like start playing with the Spanish and chassis setup. I think if you need to throw a ton of brass at something, it's just kind of like I've said it before. It just, it's kind of a band aid for a bad setup. Um, I've seen some really, really lightweight rigs work freaking awesome. And it's because they're making, you know, mechanical grip because of the link geometry versus, you know, just putting 80 pounds of brass on it, trying to compensate for everything else that you've done wrong. Yeah, my other my answer to this is it's going to always come down to personal preference and kind of like how your rig is set up. And I don't understand like, you know, really why anybody would, you know, want to just start immediately bashing because if you really think about it, um think about like the re- like real vehicles, okay? Um th- how many times do you see, I mean, like you do really see valid evidence of somebody bashing one, you know, vehicle or the other. What usually happens is, is somebody who's like, a like into that brand, a brand loyalist or whatever. And they, you know, just want to hate on the other one or try to find something that they don't like. Um, so that's kind of like what I get at with this, because, you know, if you ever kind of watch, you know, what, what happens in some of these like groups, like I was actually scrolling and somebody did the classic, just got an SCX 10. Uh, I don't know if it was the first one or the two, he was very vague and said, want to upgrade the electronics. What servo do you guys recommend? And I mean, everybody says, you know, they start saying the same stuff. I mean, that's really hard to say because it's going to come down to personal preference. You know, is it in your price range? Is it give enough, you know, um, torque, does it work the way you want it to work? So it really comes down to all that. So kind of like to piggyback off what Jay said, you're going to probably want to find somebody else who's actually legitimately ran some of those tires and, or ran them in your area to kind of see. And then, uh, everything else is just going to come with kind of like how the rig is set up. Um, if it's a super light rig, you really don't need anything crazy with the shocks. Um, if it's heavy, you obviously want the shocks to work right because that could, you know, potentially pitch the vehicle over. So I think, I think if you want like a hierarchy, at least this is my personal opinion, but if you want a hierarchy of like to get a, a universally like balanced crawler, is probably the best way to put it. I think what you look at, in my opinion, you look at geometry, the shocks, and then tires. And even up beyond tires, I would maybe even just say general center of gravity, but that can, can be solved in your geometry section if you were careful enough. 
I think, you know, in the, in the racing world, you know, the tires are always going to be the most important part of your setup, but I don't think that really holds true here. I think that in many conditions, there's lots of, you know, varieties of tires that tend to do pretty well. Um, and they're going to act different on each individual rig too. I mean, that's, yeah, you know, it's not, it's not as like copy paste. Yeah. So I, I like, like what you're saying. Well, actually both of you guys have said this too, but like really, I mean, I think the wisest thing to do is consult somebody local, find out what works, um, and, and see if they have a rig somewhat similar to yours, you know, like, I think that's another thing too, is like, you know, Hey, if there's a guy with a SCX 10 two and it's working really good and you're trying to get your setup the same way. And, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, check out his tire and foam combo and everything else. I mean, that's the other thing we haven't even touched on is like tire foams because that's like a whole other ball of wax. I mean, that that's a huge, huge tuning option as well. Yeah, so. but people can get so lost in that. And I think that oh, you can get all of it. You can. Yeah, absolutely. I think I mean, you can get what was funny is like today I drove that um, 90s kid truck and I just have the regular like stock proline open cell foams in that thing. And it did phenomenal and they didn't roll over super bad or anything. And it's not like it's a super light truck, like it's fairly heavy. So, I mean, like you said, like you can totally get lost in that yeah. stuff because sometimes like a total, like just no effort setup, like what I had for wheels and tires today on that thing worked really, really good. And, you know, I mean, depending who you talk to it, shouldn't have you know so i mean it it's i don't know you know it's it's how bad do you really want to geek out on it yeah i mean it it all depends but in many ways like even conditions and stuff like that i mean oh yeah yeah there's still there's still a bit of like a common ground between most of them in the sense of you know is does the truck perform in a reasonable circumstance and you know like for like me like it, my, my personal things like i said it geometry is huge and that's a big like factor behind like um you know like our tuning kit for example like that was behind kind of that philosophy and like in turn with that like i don't really believe in adding weight like you can in some areas you know like on our i think i I think we have some like beef patties on my on my power wagon but i mean beyond that like that's all we run like every one of our rigs that's the only weight that's been yeah i don't believe in adding brass or anything like that i don't believe in adding weight here or there anything like that even even in the beginning i was kind of hung up on the whole lcg skid thing and or the high clearance skid you know and the whole like how everyone was kind of trying to make like an lcg thing but now like after we kind of put some thought to it it sort of just does the opposite and clearance like in my opinion these days like so much in terms of like clearance from the front all the way to the back of the truck people i think maybe put a little bit more weight on it than they should like you know people try and get really crazy like i said with portals with like high skids and stuff like that i think there's reason in like doing like links and stuff or anything else you can do for like you know kind of like bulkhead geometry things like that around like the plastics and axle stuff like that but i mean like there's a, there's a happy like medium, you know, like I said, and I think like going with like portals goes beyond that going with a flat skid goes beyond that because like, there's just so much that changes, um, in your center of gravity. And so I think you end up with a net negative and that's why I think, you know, you should avoid doing those things. 
So yeah, it's, we actually went away from using flat skids just because it was screwing up the suspension geometry. Yeah, you know, it, geometry. Excuse me. Yeah, and, and I mean, like this is I, this is just kind of my outlook on it. But I mean, that's I, I think that honestly, like, well, you can get lost in a lot of it. I think if you just learn how to build really good shocks. Um, the nice part is, is that crawler ones tend to last for a lot longer than racing ones do. So, you know, if you can build really good shocks and quality crawler shocks, yeah, quality, quality crawler shocks <laughs> and do a good job actually like bleeding them and everything else when you put them together. And then, um, you know, is the rig straight? And if you have changed any of your geometry, like what have you changed? I think like you can solve so many problems in just those areas before you even get to like, uh, bodies, tires, tires, foams, things like that. I mean, you, that opens up the door for a lot of, you know, a lot of potential and just those like two things. So I think that's yeah. where everybody should start that, you know, it's funny when people have been like, you know, getting a hold of us and stuff as far as like setup goes and things like that. Um, it's, it's funny. Like one of the first things I ask them is what is your rig way? You know, like, how is it set up? Give me some pictures. What kind of body are you using? What are you running for wheels and tires? Like, I'm asking a lot of questions before I'm telling them how, you know, where I would start on it and getting any kind of, like, reliable information off of Facebook and any of these groups or anything. Like, there, there's so many questions that, need to be answered before somebody can just be like, Oh yeah, you need to buy this. Like the, you know, I mean like with servos, with tires, with anything, you know, and it's like, just, there's a lot you got to know because there's so many variables. And if somebody's just like, Oh, get this. Cause it's the best. It's like, no, they're so full of shit. Like just, there's a lot of questions. So it's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just so many variants with this stuff. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah i mean I, what i really need to do is i need to that reminds me i need to uh finish that epx setup sheet i was just thinking about that i would day. solve a lot of things <laughs> yeah um all right moving on nick Russo with another one he says how okay how was it driving the capra killer <laughs> dude that thing so much fun like it, it was funny. Like today, I noticed it's surprisingly fast. Like it's got a sixteen turn five pull in it, and like the thing's a little rocket ship, and it kind of made me laugh. But like, dude, it, it's just so good. I mean, it does everything so well, and it looks so cool doing it. And one of the things that was crazy is like all the pictures that I've taken, like on the bench or like scale garage photos and stuff they look terrible because like the tires look huge. Like even when I used like our white, like photo back, you know, our photo backdrop that we have here that rolls down off the bench, like using that, like the tires still look giant. And like today, like outside, like in its element and everything, they didn't look massive. And so I was just super stoked on it. Cause it just, it looked really cool. And mind you, like, this is only like, I think the fourth time I've driven the thing. And so like, I'm still like, definitely in that honeymoon phase with it you know like i drive it and there's really nothing i want to change like i haven't done any tuning aside from going with a different shock setup than i originally had planned um i am super super happy with the shocks that are on it right now and it just i don't know it was just fun man like it just it works so good and you're just 
having so much fun because it's constantly surprising you, you know, like you just, you point it at something and it goes up and it's like, you're just like, man, it shouldn't have done that. You know, like my other cars couldn't have or whatever, you know? And so it's like, it, it's, it feels like getting back into the hobby all over again, because like, it's just every time I drive it, it's something new and exciting, you know, because it's just all these new experiences still. Cause I don't have a lot of time on the rig. And so it, it was fun. It was great. I got some great pictures. Um, I forgot my tripod and, uh, so I wasn't able to get a whole lot of video or anything like that today. It was just pictures, but now that thing's cool. I mean, there's nothing that I really want to change on it right now. I mean, it sucks trying to get to the battery, but that's really about my biggest complaint. That's fair. Cool. Um, Travis Mink, he says, ask Jay how many sleeping bags I should have attached to the cage on my gatekeeper. As many as you have shovels attached to it. If you have shovels and like jerry cans or a barbecue, typically you want one sleeping bag per scale item, I think is the way that that's broken down usually. And they they have to be mounted on the roof with a bungee net. I like that idea. Sounds about right. Well, (laughs) I was just, I had this like passing thought of like, we could have like the, something like the 10 commandments of scale RC and it could just be like (laughs) what, what items you have to have on your rigs and how many. Thou not add scale garbage to race trucks. (laughs) But, but as I was thinking about that, it reminded me, I don't know if any of you guys watched those, uh, those Beavis and Buttheads clips that I sent you, but, um, one of them, he was talking about like they were showing that a Slayer season in the Abyss video where they're in Egypt and oh, uh, they were asking about it and they were talking about how Moses built the pyramids in the 50s, like after he finished the 10 condiments. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, thou shalt not suck. <laughs> I love that show so much. We should do a 10, like just, I mean, totally tongue in cheek, but like do a 10 commandments of scale RC that that's actually super funny. Worth uh worth some effort. Oh yeah. I like it. Thou shalt not have naked wrestler figures driving your cars. I'm not even I'm not even actually going to go down that path. Um, Steven Richardson, he says, what do you guys think is going to be the next big crawler that makes people excited about crawling, uh, like features, new designs, uh, better parts on RTRs, for example? Well, the only thing you don't get with RTRs and most of the time is what, just the electronics? I mean, I know there's like little nuances, like, you know, maybe like, balls and stuff but i mean like even axial now like you're getting the same like nice steel links that come in kit version so it's like really i think axial well an element too really i mean like dumb stuff like plastic shot caps like that's the only difference like it's something that really doesn't matter you know so i mean you're getting like the same quality anymore with a lot of these kits versus rtrs really i mean you're not sacrificing anything i mean especially where axial is concerned i mean it's 
all the same stuff. And like, you know, element two, I mean, same type of thing. Like I, I think that the only real difference with the builder's kit and a RTR is steel balls and aluminum shock caps and metal trans gears. But I mean, I question whether or not they even need the metal trans gears, honestly. Like, I think the plastic ones are plenty strong. Yeah, to be honest, I was going to say, I don't even remember anybody ever really... I know back with the original Axial, people would burn out the middle, which I think what they called the idler gear. They'd always burn that out because it was plastic. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know if they still do anymore. I don't know if anybody's like, I haven't heard anybody say, oh, there goes, you know. I think like the Axial ones, like even the three gears metal now, isn't it? Even in the RTR. Yeah. A good one to look at it'd be that UMG six by six. It's sitting here, but I also don't feel like turning the transmission apart (laughs) just to look. But I mean, hell, I mean, like even with RTRs and stuff now, like the Enduro and Axial both, like you're getting universals. You don't have dog bones anymore up front. Like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think you're not going to see anything super groundbreaking aside from people perfecting like the super low center gravity transmission setups that are out there, like what Vanquish has and Axial's two versions as well. I think that's probably going to be one of the only areas that you're going to see a lot of development is people trying to make more compact and low to the ground transmissions that put the motor down lower on the chassis versus up high, you know, above the frame rail. So I I think that's really all you're going to see. Um, I think you'll continue to see RTRs get better and better and have better parts on them to the point of where it just doesn't even really matter to buy a kit. Like, and in some cases, you know, an RTR probably makes more sense for a lot of people to buy instead of a kit now. So I I don't know. So, I mean, that's my answer. Like anything groundbreaking will be in transmissions and RTRs will get better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really about it. I mean, the RTRs there, I know they're trying to give you the best bang for your buck. I mean, it was nice being able to get a couple upgrades in the RTRs, but really I think nowadays what it's going to come down to is RTRs just going to be whether or not you want to run stock electronics or not. You're still going to get the same car. It's just whether or not you want to put in your own electronics that you're, you know, biased towards, or do you want to run the stock stuff? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I mean, I don't know it's come a long ways really i mean if you think about like the last like two or three years like the quality is getting a lot better like you're definitely getting more for your money lately well that's just going to continue yeah which is rad oh i forgot to tell you guys so when i was out i saw a uh buffalo that g made buffalo oh, there was I a... you're actually talking about an actual buffalo yeah <laughs> i was <laughs> no, confused that, that would have been super sick though no um this uh i i was like laying on my stomach taking pictures and I like hear an RC car. I'm like, what the hell, you know, cause it's like Wednesday and I'm not expecting to see other people. And some dude comes cruising up and he's got a gatekeeper with a trail slayer wrap on it. And he's got one of the G made buffaloes that looks like it didn't even so much as have a scratch on it. Like he just built the thing and it, it looks really, really cool in person. So that's, uh, I know we've talked about it on the show and that's actually a really cool rig in person. Um, but yeah, just tripped me out. His name was Tom and, uh, 
I had never met him before, but I, you know, saw a trail slayer rap on his gatekeeper. I was like, that's rad right on. Thanked him. And yeah, this is super cool. Just random, cool circumstance happened today. Rad. Nice. Um, Brandon Catton, he says, I enjoy the shows. They keep me sane. Need more guests on again. Adds a different spice to the episodes. And L.A. Chappelle says, plus one. Get some more guests on. Cough, cough. Chris Trudeau. Ah. Well, should we? Yeah. Basically, we have have somebody in the pipeline for next week. Um, I don't want to jinx it. I mean, I guess, you know, maybe we could put the pressure on him. Um, but Paul Valdez is supposed to be on next week. So, um, we do have some more guests coming on. Um, it's just getting after that. What was that? Brandon Sloan will be after him. Oh yeah, that's right. Forgot about that. We were talking about that. Um, yeah, it's just getting some of these people to commit. That's the hard part. Well, and then plus like with things have been iffy with like our power and everything else, it would suck to like schedule something and then have it not work out so it's like part of it's kind of the time of the year too true that'll be fun having paul though i'm looking forward to that yeah he's doing some awesome stuff with his youtube channel like it's almost like a resurgence because like when uh i first met him at axiofs 2017 i believe I could be wrong, but I think it was 17 or maybe it was 18 and 19. He was out there. I know he was out there for two years. Um, maybe it was 18, 19. I don't know. Anyways, um, met him. He was doing some cool things. Um, and then I know he's heavy into photography. So he was doing like a lot of like photography stuff. And then all of a sudden he kind of like, I wouldn't say fell off, but he got a little quiet. And then now he's doing this whole new thing with his YouTube. He's got like, you know, some really good content and, you know, he's got some funny skits and stuff. And, uh, I believe he must be doing something with element because a lot of his stuff right now is based off of element. So yeah, he's, he's part of our hype team. So, yeah. So it's pretty cool. Um, Eric Warren, he says overdrive. As I recall, Jay likes a little overdrive. I just installed it on my TRX four with the hobby wing, uh, 1200 kV fusion. I've noticed that on a high traction surface uh, carpet between obstacles that are indoor crawling course, the car seems to chatter much more than I remember uh, oh, yeah. others at faster than walking speed. At a crawl, I don't notice it much. Can you tell me if that's normal on high traction surfaces in a straight line? On high traction surfaces, yes, absolutely. Um, I I like overdrive, but just reasonable amounts. Like honestly, I feel like this like some people are running like 25 percent and i if i was running something like that here we'd be breaking stuff like i had tried it in hpi venture running a 25 percent overdrive and it just it bound up so bad because it was getting so much traction and it was wadding the tires up and i mean it was just where we live, like it was just, it's too much. And, uh, so I don't know. I'm, I'm happy with the small amount that element has, you know, the 11.8%. Um, 
I, I feel like that's just enough, you know, so that you're not smoking motors and having some like crazy binding issues and wearing parts out and stuff. Um, I mean, like I remember trying to drive that venture across some asphalt at a, uh, event that we were at and, oh my God, like the thing, it barely wanted to move. Like the back was hooking up and getting so much traction and the front was spinning so fast that it was just locking everything up. And it was like anything like too much is just as bad as not enough. So I don't know. I, I wouldn't go crazy with it. And it sounds like you're probably kind of nearing that threshold of possibly too much given the traction of the surface, you know, that you're driving on. Yeah. Uh, he had another question. He said, I know y'all talked about the rift last week, but with the latest new releases being pushed back throughout the industry, DX five R SR 10, uh, stock issues, lack of race buggies, electronics. Uh, when do you see things getting back to normal or when do you have any insight? <laughs> Who knows? Like, I, I don't, I don't have any insider information on this. Like I, I just, I don't know, like anybody else, I just feel like we're kind of just at the mercy of circumstance. Like late summer probably is when you're going to start seeing this stuff ironed out like late, late summer. I mean, really about the only thing that I pay attention to is like associated stuff that's in stock, you know, like element stuff and associated cars and their parts. And they have been getting quite a bit more in, recently and then um i've noticed that they've had kits in stock as well well and rtrs both but um for a while there you know it was like you could find it at hobby shops or a main but you couldn't get it off of their site just because of you know supply and demand so i don't know it, it's it's probably going to be like this for a while honestly like i think it's going to take some time before we get back to normal, you know? I mean, and plus this is never like a fast process anyways. Like it always seems like, you know, something will be announced and then, you know, it's available a month, month and a half later. I mean. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, like I, like I said, the last show supply chain is gnarly around the world right now. It's going to be hard to get some stuff for a while. And you probably yeah. have a better insight into that than most people do just because of your job. I have, like you, I have you a pretty you're way more in touch with that sort of thing than I am. I have a pretty solid insight into this. That's why I'm saying like, it's going to be a while. <laughs> it's it's uh, going to be a good, uh, good chunk of 2021. We're going to be dealing with this sort of thing. Yep. Um, that was that. I mean, but just on that, like that's what we were saying last week. Like, it's not like some big like quality control conspiracy or something happened like with the rift or whatever. Like, they just the demand was a lot more than what they could get at the time, you know. And that's because they just they cannot get enough to service that demand right now, and so they had to push it back. Which you know? hooray for them. I mean, that's cool, especially with such a niche rig, you know. Well, there's there's two ways to look at that. You could say that sales were good and it outpaced what they maybe like expected it to be, but given like supply issues, I would garner to say that the sales were probably in line and that they weren't able to live up to those. So, mm. but I mean, either which way, like it did well, but now it kind of puts Horizon like on the back foot, for example, because now they've got to source a lot of these as quick as possible and. 
They said that that delay sucks. And a lot of companies are going to be dealing with that. Yeah, it's it's uncertain. It's you have that going on, plus you have all the, you know, the government tape. So like unfortunately what I've seen and this is just me like observing everything. It's almost like every state has like its own idea of what they're going to do and when things are going to get back to quote unquote normal. So like, for instance, in my home state, we're all over the place. One minute Gavin Newsom's telling us that we're going to be like shut down and not even allowed to leave our homes. And then like the following week, he's like, we're going to be getting close to back to normal within the next few weeks. And you're like, okay, what is going on? Like what, like, Nobody like really has an idea of what's going on. So yeah, um, it's just, yeah, every state's going to be different. Um, I'm hoping we get back to something somewhat normal soon. I think what you're going to start seeing more than anything in terms of like supply over the next couple months is going to be um, electronics. I think electronics are going to, um, be on back order through some companies for quite a long time. Um, those are going to be the highest, the highest like risk items at this point. And so if people sell out of stock that they've got, or, you know, don't reorder like months and months in advance, then, you know, which some places can do this. Some places don't. Sometimes you have unprecedented demand spikes and you can't always, you know, account for it in time but there's going to be some places that really have a tough time with that and that components are going to be very difficult to get their hands on like that that above anything else rc related i think is going to be the issue and that's why you're seeing it with things like um like the radios and you know with the the, the rift was an rtr right yeah i would be willing to bet that right. the whole part of it being ready to run with electronics and everything has a lot to do with that delay Oh God. Don't you ever just wish you could just say whatever you want? <laughs> yeah. You can say whatever you want. I was gonna make a crack about the riff because it has the same ESC that the laser nut has. And so I was gonna make a joke about it. <laughs> you could argue this is divine intervention. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe <laughs> they're addressing something. I don't know. <laughs> you don't have to rebind it every time you turn it on. Yeah, I'm not super like sold on the whole Spectrum Smart ESC thing yet. I'm a little, I, I kind of makes me feel dumb. And so far, I just think it is dumb. Yeah, I feel dumb not being able to like turn it on and drive it like that. You know, RTR electronics should not be complicated things. I know that people no, love like features right. and stuff like that, but man, you should really just be a, you should be able to just turn it on and go. You know, in comparison, like the Baja Ray is like perfect right out of the box. It has the older dynamite stuff before they started throwing spectrum stuff and everything. And the thing's just a freaking rocket ship on top of it. And like, it was just so funny. Like all, you know, until I figured out like, Oh, okay. You know, got to calibrate the ESC or the calibrate the throttle. Now, every time that you turn the thing on, since you have to rebind it every single time. And so, you know, like the laser nut car was just super underwhelming the first time we pulled the trigger. But. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Jeremy Joseph Olson, he says, 
Thoughts on Mayako, RC, and the rollout of their new concept of looking at customers and the idea of service centers. And I wonder if like a company like Team Associated or Team Losi Racing could do something similar in the USA to dominate the market. And then who do each of you think will win King of the Streets? Um, I don't think any of the first part of that really applies to the scale stuff. Like I, I don't, I, I barely know about that situation and it sounds like a really strange business model but i i can't imagine any crawler stuff going that way no i I am honestly hesitant about even this working so i hate to like do that but here's my thing so it is like all but confirmed at this point that the whole mayako rc thing and it being a like oh, we don't know what it is, but they came on as a title sponsor for the No Name Show and stuff like that, I think has actually been this really elaborate scheme of JQ rebranding JQ into Mayako. And really? Yeah, because I think he finally realized that having JQ racing on everything is... and Hurting him? (laughs) Yeah, I don't think it's it's beneficial. So he's trying to take, I think... Mr. Sleuth. I, I don't know. I... I think this is starting to get a little bit surface level now because now I'm starting to see a bit of the pieces. Some people piece this together a lot earlier than I did, but I wouldn't have made that connection had you not said something. Well, I just thought it was goofy as hell at first, but I mean, well, yeah, I mean, sorry, no offense to the people involved. Like, I mean, it's just, it's super unorthodox is kind of what I mean. I mean, I'm not trying to be like derogatory. Well, it was weird. You know, who knows? It was weird because, like, the whole thing played out as, like, okay, well, there's, like, they just, they randomly reached out to Keenan about being a title sponsor. They don't make anything. You can't find any information on them. For months, all you can find on them is, for months, all you can find on them is that they just have a, a various social media pages that are, like, super, like, branding focused like he probably outsourced the logo to somebody so it's very very clean it's a bunch of like pictures put together about like you know what this reminds me of and uh jeremy the guy asking his question will get a kick out of this because this is very much um esque of um companies skirting tobacco um tobacco like advertising laws to advertise in motorsports like formula one because like when Marlboro was one of the sponsors and it just like it was Marlboro, but not at all. Like it was a barcode or something instead they, of the name Marlboro. They still are. So Ferrari in some in some areas, depending on how strict the laws are, Ferrari actually has one of their title sponsors. It's called Mission Winnow. And it's like all kind of done up as like kind of like a win now sort of thing. But if you go to their Facebook page, you go to their Instagram page. All of like, they don't do anything. All these people do like are just, they just post photos about this or that. And then whoever they're sponsoring and they always have these really like sort of cut and paste, like corporate quotes about like, like it really is kind of the joke about like, you know, uh, the anchorman two like synergy thing, you know, where it was like, you know, where it's just talking about like, Oh, you know, you know, think about today, like how a group of people can make something amazing happen. It's just like stuff like that every day. They're not actually selling anything. There's no product illusion whatsoever. (laughs) The company is owned by Marlboro. 
Right. So all of that is just a bunch of subliminal marketing to do that. And their their logo, when done up on the side of the car, is very reminiscent of just the evolution of the barcode when they couldn't put marble on the side of the car anymore. Some areas, so depending on some of the, some uh, countries, some countries you can't even have that. So those cars will show up blank in those areas, and they won't have that sponsor because you know, of the tobacco laws. It's like when I was growing up, Supercross was Camel Supercross. Camel and Coors Light were the two main sponsors of Supercross series for probably well over a decade, and it just kills me because like those are athletes at like the highest level and a cigarette and beer company is sponsoring the series. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but my point in all this is being is that like, so that's kind of like where this was, where like the posts that Mayaka was putting out were just kind of a bunch of like, just things like that, you know, you know, what happens when people work together or, you know, this or that. And the limit. Yeah, you know, just stuff like that. And so I'm just kind of like, oh, okay, whatever. And But the one time that I heard them talk about, like, I, I listened to the show when he would announced, when Keenan announced to them while JQ was on of the, um, <laughs> of the, uh, like, announcement of them coming on as a title sponsor. And the first thing that JQ said in response to it was that I hope it's not another eight scale buggy because that's, we don't need any more. And now I'm starting to kind of put the pieces together that it's just his rebranded. So I think that that's what's going on. Um, it, the, and so I'm kind of, yeah, so everything's like sort of like customer focused. Like I think they're trying to go sort of like in some areas, like the Wally builds route where it could be like customer focused builds or like, um, you know, the, the service centers for like stuff like that, like repairs and everything like that. But I mean, it's just, I don't know. It seems like a really elaborate and overcomplicated like thing to try and do. So I don't know. I, I think like the 2000 cars will sell a year. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm kind of just, in, I'm more than interested just to see how it goes, but I don't think a company like TLR AE, like, I don't think it's needed because like, I'll be honest with you. They didn't have the inherent marketing problem that JQ did. Yeah. And that's very true. They don't, they don't need the help. No, I, I, yeah, I, not, not to do something like this. So that's a lot of resources to put into something to try and make something like this happen. So yeah, kind of weird. Um, as far as who I think will win King of the Streets, don't know. Don't know. I, I To be honest with you, I just saw the roster for who's going um, that Tyler had posted up, and I don't recognize 80% of the names on the list. I hope so Will be. Idea. I should look that up right now while you're talking. I hope Will be or Ashen wins it, or Brett, but it would be epic if Will be or Ashen won it. I don't even recall seeing them on there. I don't know. Brett was talking about needing hats done and stuff for going down oh, there. There's a, there's a group. And he didn't then nothing like he hasn't mentioned it again since. So okay. I don't know what's going on. Maybe they're not going. I guess I only, I, I only saw two of the uh, eight groups. Oh man, this is going to be a long race. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm just, <laughs> okay. Well, I'll look at, let me put it this way. And so, I think there's 256, 256 drivers going to this race. Jesus. So round one, 
That's 128 races. <laughs> that is just round one. They so better be on their game moving through the program. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. How many was it the one previous? 40. Oh, shit, dude. This like, is just, it, I mean, this is just year two. This they is just may year be two. having some growing pains with this event. I hope not. I hope you guys pull it off because obviously, you know, you're our friends and you guys are rad. Um, I do not envy the situation that you guys, Tyler, are in whatsoever, though, because it's it's a thankless position to be in anyways, promoting something. And so it's going to be rough. He's going to have a lot of people in his ear. I think, yeah. Yeah. Poor, poor guy. Like, I mean, I'm excited for him, but at the same time, dude, just knowing what I know about how these things work, I feel super bad for him already. A seasoned event runner, I think has trouble with something like this and the time frame they're trying to do it too. And not only that, but think about how this is probably the largest collection of novice racers you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not trying to be a dick i mean i'm being serious dude like the majority of these drag guys are new 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 and don't know what's going on so it's gonna be really tough oh man um yeah brett is in group h he's in the final group he's in one two he's in the third to last bracket of two races that's a long you know, day. You know, you know who I, I'm just going to throw it out there. I mean, I, I have a couple of buddies that are actually going, I actually need to go scour that list again. Um, Mike Kassar is supposed to be going. I didn't really scour that too much. Cause I didn't know if I would be up talking. So that's why I kind of let it be. But, um, I do think, you know, I would like to see somebody like that, you know, take it. I'm not going to say he is, but you know, another one that I would actually like to see take it only because yes, he is trying his hand at drag racing, but he has been a racer, a competitive racer for a very long time is, uh, Kenny Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of surprised to see his name on here. Uh, I knew about it for a while because Thomas had reached out to me um, and asked me if I knew somebody who would be willing to help him set up his drag car. Ah, gotcha. So because, you know, he's still kind of new to it, yeah. like a lot of people, but he does have some, a racing background, so he wanted to give his, you know, his hand at it, so... Manny Butler's actually gone? Holy moly. That's a lit LED. Yeah. That is going to be one long event. I don't see Mike on here. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm looking for, too. I, th I swear he was going. I don't want to bore everybody while I'm reading names. But... <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Let's see. I'm back to I'm at the end of the list now. Group G, Group H. I'm not seeing it. Interesting. That's I don't know if they have happening. like a wait list or something going or something. Like, I don't know. Or I just can't read, but yeah, I'm not seeing it on here. Right oh. there, Michael Kassar, 164. Oh, okay. So I just can't read. 
Uh, he's in Group E, I believe. Oh, One, six, four. Hold on. What sucks is I'm looking at this on a laptop, and it's not like your phone where you could zoom in. No, I mean, I'm on my desktop with a widescreen monitor, and I still can't find it. Um, Michael Kassar, he's in, yeah, Group E with John Mendez, Damian Brand, yeah. Michael Kassar, and Clint Wilson. Okay. So, yeah. So it'll be interesting. I mean, I like to see some of these guys. You know, there's also um, Abel Lips. Uh, I think I said his name right. I think I saw him in Group A. Yeah. The funny thing is, yeah, Abel Lips, uh, nine, 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 nine. He's actually, whoa, the first group. Vern Brown, Abel Lips, Dan Wilson. Oh, and Dan Wilson. Yeah, Dan Wilson's your one. I'd like to see a couple of these guys make it past the first, you know, race. I, I would. That'd be pretty, it, it'd be pretty cool, especially since I know some of these people. Um, the funny thing is, now that I've been reading through a lot of these names, since I am on like the team, you know, manager part of MKS, a lot of them are have been recently added to MKS. And which is the other thing too. I don't. I forget. I got to talk to Thomas about this. I'm almost positive Thomas threw down a thousand dollars if you win the entire thing and you did it with an MKS servo. That's nice. cool. So, yeah, pretty cool. Uh, Jade Warburton, he says, in a performance-oriented truck, what do you do to offset running a spare in the bed? You don't run a spare in the bed. I've cheated around that a couple times. I'll take the center beadlock ring out of the wheel and then just have the tire just, you know, stretched over it you know, without the middle ring. Um, I've done that to try and save weight. Um, I don't know. I'm, you could always go with like a plastic wheel or something, but like I'm one of those dudes that wants the spare to match the rest of them though. So see, and I agree with you on that, but there are ways to combat that. Like for instance, you can find, um, and actually now with the world of 3d printing, like, I, I think I started doing that with the Cherokee and then I continued it over with the fool's gold, the black and gold JK. I have those gold wheels on that and I wanted to run a spare, but I didn't want all that weight hanging off the back. So I actually had a 3d printed wheel made to look like the wheel that I'm running. And then I painted it gold with the black ring. So Get a quick glimpse. It looks the same, but it's not the same material. I there's a couple people that make them, but if you if it's not a race style rig, like I've seen this on like ultra four looking cars, you know, like the gatekeeper, and spare tire covers don't really belong on those, but to each their own. Um, Proline at one point had a really cool spare tire cover, and what I did was just took a tire foam and made a Lexan disc the same diameter on both sides and put a hole through each of it and a long screw to hold it on place and then put the cover over it. So it's just basically a foam donut inside the tire cover. And that's how I've cheated it in the past. 
Yep. The other way is you tell him that he's running a scale tire patch repair kit inside the glove box, so you do not need to run a spare, and you just delete the spare altogether. That's true. That would work also. I don't know. You know, I I drove the gatekeeper today too, and it was really funny. That thing did super, super good. And what cracked me up is the battery was in the rear location. The sound box was in the front, and it had a full spare with, you know, like all the wheel internals and everything. And it did great. Like it should have been, you know, for all intents and purposes, it should have been just wheeling over backwards on everything, but it did really, really good. So I, I don't know. I mean, you might surprise yourself and it could do just fine with having that on there. Um, our last question is from Nick Russo. He says, do you think there would be a place for scale rally cross? God, I wish that'd be so cool. Uh, dude, uh, now that touring car racing is pretty much dead, take all the old touring car tracks, throw some dirt sections and some jumps on it, and have rallycross on the touring car tracks. That would kick so much ass. Yeah, I you know the uh, the do you remember the VRC rallycross at all? Where it's like the eight scale based cars. Yeah. That's what I, I I know it's not like this as scale, but I mean like in, in terms of like scale in comparison to like our scale for like crawling and stuff. But I mean on its own, like if I, I started putting some thought to that, like if you just if you just sort of did like an actual life version of that, that would be some insane fun. Yeah. Like if you put something like that together, just lay out some dirt, a couple, you know, a couple jumps like that, like just some, even just some like wooden like jumps, you know, crossover things like that or anything else. But I mean, honestly, like if you just had that some dirt placed in some spots, it goes into like little pavements, like some cone or gravel or something like that. I mean, you could make that super fun. I think that would be really cool. Have a joker lap and stuff, dude. It'd be so cool. Yeah. That's, that's what I would do personally. But as far as, like, the whole scale rally cross thing, I think that would also be super rad. Uh, but, yeah, that's all the questions we had. Did we want to jump into the uh, buying and selling RCs? I know. Uh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I mean, basically, it started out kind of like as a joke because we we're kind of like discussing, you know, some posts that we've seen. And this isn't intending to be like a bash on anybody, but it's just interesting when you see these people post up these rigs and they ask these ungodly numbers for them. And then they basically start out with the I know what I got mentality. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you may have some stuff there, whatever, but it's not going to be what you think it's worth. I mean, of course, here's the here's the easiest, you know, answer to any of this. Anything is worth what it is to the person selling it. Now, whether or not the buyer is willing to meet you at what you're asking, that's a whole different story. So, 
it's kind of hard because like there's people like you know you see them put up these builds and some of them are you know they're beat and they like want like upwards of a thousand dollars and you're like why and they're like oh it's a discontinued body or so and so (laughs) made the chassis and then you basically break it down to they literally added up all the money they've put into this and that's what they're selling it for it's kind of like i always crack up when i see these people that post up like on well i haven't been on craigslist in a long time but they used to post up on craigslist uh just picked up this uh you know i'll just throw an example out there axial scx 10-2 ready to run upgraded the servo and electronics asking six hundred dollars and you're like (laughs) you're basically asking what the brand new cost was for that car and probably the money you spent on electronics and you're just putting it out there. No one's going to, you know, I mean, well, I'm sure somebody will, but your average person's not going to pay what they could go to a store and buy brand new off the shelf, you know, without somebody else running it or doing whatever, you know, to it. So it's like, you got to be a little realistic. Um, and some of it does get hard because you do deal with people like, you know, that have, you know, they have quote unquote custom chassis, like somebody, you know, made something. Um, I mean, like for an example, like my UC fab car, clearly, you know, a lot of time goes into that and the price points for those cages are high, but like when I bought mine being used, I'm not spending the brand new price on a used thing, regardless of who made it, you know? So it's like, you got to take all that into consideration. And I, you know, and I think a lot of, of what goes on is people just try to, you know, they start out with, Hey, I'm going to try and get what I got into it out of it. And then they'll play around from there. They'll see if they get any bites and then you'll see them. They'll continue to slowly lower it. Um, and eventually it sells. Um, I guess, you know, that really kind of like just sums up the whole, what's the word? Um, like how I view how people put things up for sale. I don't know if, uh, Jay, Travis, you guys want to chime in on any of that? No, I, I agree. You know, I, I think that's absolutely what people do is they try and recoup their investment and, don't factor in any kind of depreciation or anything like that. I mean, I, I don't know. I like you, I've seen some pretty rough looking rigs for ungodly amounts of money and who knows, you know, I mean, it's like maybe the right person's out there and they'll just straight up fall in love with the thing and have to have it. And, you know, cool. But I mean, don't like, if you're going to do something like that, prepare to take a beating on social media though, because everybody's going to let you know what they think. You know, and so if you are going to, you know, ask a ridiculous amount of money, I mean, you, you know, you're in for a ride. Oh, yeah. So Facebook should actually thinking about they should change their name instead of Facebook. It should be jury of peers. Oh, God, I know it. For sure. No, looking at like looking at used rigs like. I don't know. I, I have not bought many used rigs. I've traded for a couple and 
not, I didn't get stung or anything, but they were definitely used. And I felt like I, you know, didn't necessarily come out on top in the trade, but I was going to do so many different things to him anyways that I wasn't like all butthurt about, you know, it not being as nice as I wanted. Like I, what gets me is like when people post something for sale and they didn't wash it, they didn't clean it or anything. And so I think if somebody is advertising a rig for sale and it's filthy dirty, pretty much guarantee it hasn't been well maintained because, you know, taking apart a muddy rig to work on it usually isn't like the right process. You clean it first and then take it apart. So chances are if it's a dirty rig, it's been seriously neglected in other areas. Um, you know, a, a racing habit that Trav and I have is like keeping all our stuff like super, super clean. Well, when you're cleaning your rig, you're going over everything on it and you're noticing, you know, oh, this is cracked or this, you know, might be, you know, need to be replaced or whatever. This screw's missing. You know, it's like if you don't wash your rig and then like, you know, really, really clean it, there's a lot that you're just going to miss. So, I mean, probably the best advice that I could possibly give anybody is just do not buy a dirty car. Yeah. One thing, uh, just apart from the money side of it, or even the cars, like just etiquette when you're buying something or even selling something, I, I have absolutely no worry in somebody listening to this because uh, in recognizing it, because like I'm, I'm in this process with someone right now who I get probably a couple messages a day from, where this dude's like just on the fence and just cannot decide if he wants to buy like a pile of those old HP cars that I've got. Mm-hmm. And like, he was like, Oh, you know, like oh, I'll let you know on payday or whatever. And I was like, I mean, that's a, like, yeah, that's fine. So if you still got him, I'll take him. Okay, cool. Well then like 10 minutes later, he's like, oh, actually, you know what? I just bought a mini truggy and stuff. It's like, so now I got to kind of think about it a little bit more. I'm like, oh, okay. And I was like, whatever, dude, just let me know if you want it or not. And then Jeez. like ever since then, it's like, I'm his best friend and like he's sending me random pictures of shit like he's got like he sent me a picture of I think his hot rod or something I don't know it was basically indescribable and it just says fifth out of 45 and like I don't even know what you're talking about like you know if you're going to talk to someone about like buying or selling something like I say like to have it's like good etiquette and like don't waste their time if you aren't interested and at the same time like if you're selling something I mean you know what I okay so while we're on the subject you know what bothers the hell out of me is when I see people comment on uh, for sale posts and go PM me or PM me the price. I'm like, <laughs> he's the seller. Reach out to him. Yeah, you're the one that wants yeah. it. I mean, you know. Why, like, why should he reach out to you? Like, like, people post something on eBay and then they don't go, like, around messaging the people who are watching it. Like, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, it just, like, that's just. It's silly and stupid. Just don't do it. Like, just like message the person. Like, why does, why? I always hate that. Everyone's like, oh, PM me. Like, no. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, if this matters enough to you, you can reach out to me. I put the post up. Make some effort. I did the work already. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know? So, I mean, just like have some etiquette and like that whole process because like selling things is like bad enough as it is. So don't make it worse by just wasting your time and other people's time if you're not going to, like, be upfront about what's going on. I will say this. If somebody lowballs me on something, I won't even – I'll like, I'll tell them no, and I won't even 
reply or re- read their messages after that. Like, I hate getting lowballed. Like, it just pisses me off, especially if it's for something stupid. And I just, you know, I don't even deal with those people. You do it once and you're done. Mm-hmm. You know, you're done. I'm not going to pay any attention to you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, anyways, I think that kind of covers it. You yeah. know what's the other thing that gets me too? What's is that? this question when somebody is selling something, they get this question. How much to ship to Idaho? <laughs> it's like, you know, your address and, you know, like there's factors involved that, you know, maybe you're not an adult and you've never mailed anything before. But I do two things. Yeah. Destination. I do two things. I do either. I will just have shipped included in the price and just kind of work it that into the fact of either I might be, I might be off by a couple bucks and I might have to eat a little bit of it. Or if I will give someone a shipping price and I will, and like if I'm doing it like over Facebook or something like that, it'll be like, look, here's what shipping is. Here's why. If it turns out to be less than that, I will PayPal you the difference. Yeah, that's always what I do. I like because even like I listed a couple things on eBay tonight, and I was just like, you know, like if I'm gonna sit here and forever and try to mess with package sizes and stuff like that, I have no idea what I need. My UPS near me is really convenient but insanely expensive, so I'm gonna just guess this number and I hope that I'm right. Dude, the UPS store is super expensive. It's yeah, but at the same time, it sucks because it's like the only place I can ship with within like a five mile radius. Because then I have to go all the way down to downtown Bothell. I have to go find a FedEx somewhere and like along I five. So it's like five minute convenience, and I just have to hope that shipping something ground for two weeks isn't going to cost me sixty dollars. You know what, though, next time that does happen, though, just give me the specifics on what you're going to be sending and I can do it and just email you the shipping label and then you'll get our shipping discount. That's fair. I don't have a printer here though. So I got to do it at work. My God, you don't have a printer. Who doesn't have a printer anymore? Is paper dead? Do people not do that now? I, I could use a printer, but it'd be for the very rare instances where I'm like, damn, I don't have a printer which is Gosh. like a couple times a year at best. I mean, if I tried hard enough, I could print it at work. Not a huge deal. But right. yeah, I, I mean, printers are also kind of expensive. I mean, you can get some decent ones for like 30, 40 bucks. But I mean, like that's a lot of money to just spend on something that I'm just never going to use. Yeah. Yeah, my only thing to add to that whole thing about shipping is if you're somebody asking somebody to ship, instead of stay, saying, you know, to Idaho or just the general state, I always say, how much is shipping to my zip code? And I give them my zip code. And then, cause that's going to be, cause typically like if you go on like stamps.com, the USPS.com and do the any or anything, FedEx, UPS, you do the estimated shipping Typically, you can enter the zip code, and that'll give you everything you need to know. Yeah, I've done that with UPS. I I don't know if I've ever done that with USPS or not, but I've definitely tried that with UPS, and it's worked well. The I've no, you know what? You can do it on USPS, and the reason why I remember that now is because every time that I would get a quote on like an international order or something or something big. I would go to the post office 
here in town and it was always more money than what it said online. So I was like, Oh great. I quoted this guy this amount and now, you know, it's 20 bucks more than what your website told me it was going to be. So rad. I mean, that that's all kind of a thing of the past now that we've got like our shipping stuff figured out, but that was always super frustrating to deal with. Yeah, I like I said, I just I I'm a I don't know I use stamps.com when I ship just because it's a lot easier and now they've teamed up with UPS so sometimes they'll actually give you like a hey you know it'll be cheaper if you ship it through this versus this so yeah that that part's good I think Shopify does that for us but I don't know like I don't ship UPS a whole lot because like I to get them to come out here and like pick something up. I mean, they're out here daily. It's not like, you know, we live in the middle of nowhere. I mean, we do, but we don't, you know, like it's still a daily route for almost every courier service out there. And they wanted like 16 bucks to stop here and pick up a package. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Like it was just ridiculous. So, I mean, that's part of the reason why I use the postal service so much that, and you know, like, all of the stuff that we ship is really goofy sizes. And so it's really nice being able to have like their packaging and use that instead of, you know, trying to cobble together whatever, you know, box it's going to work. It's like the stuff that we make and ship is like for the most part, pretty awkward. So, but it's nice not having to pay for shipping materials for the most part using postal service. so yeah and i think that really just kind of sums up that i just i don't know i guess i just wanted to mention that only because sometimes we see so much stuff posted online and some of it's like i don't know and i just don't know if it if it scares anybody away from buying anything when they see some of this stuff i mean i know for me because like for instance i'm just going to give like a uh real life example uh what was it not last weekend, the weekend before I was up um, in Auburn because we finished up a job up by there and uh, I was hanging out in my boss's shop um, and his boys who are both teenagers, uh, one I believe is 12, 13 and the other one's um, 17 and uh, you know, they always, uh, you know, kind of I guess bust my balls about the RC cars because they, because the youngest one, he just loves all my builds. He always wants one of mine. So he's always like, can you sell me one of yours? Like did it. And it's like, you know, and I, he goes, you don't need that many cars. And I go, I know I don't need that many cars, but I have a hard time putting my stuff up for sale because I got a lot of time into it and I know nobody's going to pay me for my time. So I'd rather admire it on the shelf than send it down the river. And I'm I said, that's, "Oh, sorry, I thought you were." I was just saying, that's just that's just how I do things, so it's hard, um, and that's why, like I, I I've said it. I think I've only, I've only sold two rigs, um, and one rig got completely torn down to become another rig. So, I hate selling rigs, like. Not I the process bugs me because people are just weirdos, but then also the other thing is like pretty much most of the ones that I've sold, I, I'm 
I wish I would have hung on to, you know, like for the most part, like they were just kind of unique enough to where I'd like to have kept them. But I don't know, there, there's really only three that I'm looking at selling right now. And they were just, you know, display vehicles for us and stuff. I'm going to sell the six by six. I'm going to build it up and then sell it. Um, I want to do some really cool stuff to it and give somebody a chance to have something that's really unique and different from what everybody else has. So I'm going to do some stuff to the UMG six by six and sell that. Um, at some point I'll get rid of the Baja Ray. So somebody will get hooked up with like a super clean looking trophy truck. Cause I'm super pumped on how that turned out. And then the, uh, the laser nut car. Um, I haven't even told Trav about this yet, but, the laser nut car when it goes up for sale is going to be an absolute jaw dropper. Like people are going to freak out. So I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to the responses I'm going to get when it comes time to sell that thing. Cause somebody is going to have a really rad one of a kind looking rig. So that'll be fun. Do we, uh, do we want to talk about the giveaway build at all? Or do we want to kind of just keep that a mystery for right now? I mean, I'm happy to talk about it. I think we still have a few minutes to kill. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, We're like the 128 mark, so whatever, whatever you guys want to do. I just, I don't know. Maybe we just do pictures. Like, I just, I I feel like the stuff that we're doing to it's cool enough to where, like, talking about it isn't going to really do it justice. I'll try and get some pictures together. I'll, I'll get all the parts laid out on the bench and stuff, and maybe I'll just do like a progress post. Like, okay, this is what we've got so far, you know, for this thing. And yeah, post them in the, the patron group first. Yes. I've got that. Good idea. Let's throw that in there. So that way they get a chance to see it early. Maybe we'll I'll do this. do that for a week and then do it. Yeah. Post it, post it in the Patreon group first. Then you can blur out the main portion of it and post it on our social media and tell them if you want to see it, you got to get on Patreon. I like that idea. I just sounds like a lot work. Of work. <laughs> That's my mind. <laughs> uh, I I will say this though, the wheels are pretty damn spectacular that are going on this thing. The wheels so. were a pretty pretty solid choice. And like honestly, like you guys, like you're gonna have to see them in person because they are so sick. Like I am just so jealous of how good these things look. They're hands down the nicest scale wheels that I've seen for a crawler yet. I mean, they're they're pretty sick. Like there's even scale valve stems. Like that's how sick they are. And another spoiler alert: they're they're hot pink. So yes, because that's the trend. <laughs> dude that was so lame like vanquish did the pink wheels and everything which was awesome you know to you know for was it for breast cancer or just cancer yep. in general? Mm-hmm. yeah super cool and then all of a sudden you see every dummy out there like painting and powder coating their wheels and stuff and it's like it's it was for a good cause and you guys have like watered it down to where it's just keystone like well, I guess it could still be for a cause because, you know, they, you know, because theirs were going towards something. Um, I get what you're saying. It's kind of like when I made that joke after VP released a couple of their uh, bronze or gold wheels. And I'm like, hey, 
I've had powder coated gold wheels for like at least two years before you guys even thought about it. Where's my royalty? Exactly. So hey, I, you know what? There was something I wanted to ask you too, since we're on the subject of wheels, can I send you a set of my wheels to Cerakote? Would you be willing to do that for me? Yeah. What color do you want them? That's just that same bronze that you've have used okay. before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, nothing special. I just, I, that black scout, I'm going to at some point here do up a uh, white body for it. And so it'll be like white and matte black, and then it'll have bronze wheels. So, oh, so you're going my color scheme. Is the, is that the white Jeep? Is it that way? Well, it's gloss because it's a Lexan body, but it's white, black, and bronze. Oh, okay. Oh, no, no I don't care. I'm just, I, I'm always teasing. I always call that like, I, and the funny thing is I've been so tempted to do that to my personal vehicle to actually put bronze wheels on my personal vehicle. But I'm like, I'm a little hesitant. I didn't think I'd like them on the gray truck because I really liked the gray, like TRD looking SSD wheels. Like I, I really think those turned out good, especially with the black rings on them. But I just, I wasn't sure about, the bronze with that cement gray and I ended up really, really liking it. Like looking at that thing out in the sun today and stuff, I was just like, man, that's weird that bronze and gray work together, but it does like pretty good actually. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just one of those things like, I don't know. Cause not that I'm anywhere near that, but um, I do know that my, I'm about probably halfway through the life of my tires. So I'm trying to like dice or I guess make up my mind, you know, decide on what I want to go with, because I do know that when I go with the new tires, I will be getting new wheels. So just because I've, I don't know, I got a thing against running OEM wheels. Yeah. It, I've seen them work sometimes like, you know, if people have like polished them or had them powder coated and stuff, you can make OEM wheels look kind of cool. But no, I, I totally get it, especially on like a truck like yours and stuff. Like it, like if you're going to do tires on it, just do tires and wheels at the same time. And then you Which can is, as aggressive looking as you want. Well, see, that's the thing. And I don't want to like make this one like long in the tooth about nothing that has to do with RC, but like, I don't, I, I don't plan on going with super aggressive tires. I'm actually thinking of either like the Toyo AT3s, their new all-terrain, because they look, they're pretty sick. They, I like the tread pattern. They're like an aggressive all-terrain, um, but I don't need something like right now, the factory. So I don't know if any other manufacturers um, have them as a, you know, tire we um you know i guess supplier but uh gm has a deal with uh goodyear and uh my truck came with the goodyear wrangler dirt tracks and i'm not knocking on the tires but they are for the size they are they're like 32s because what's a stock tire on a three-quarter ton truck like 32s or something like that they are loud. They're louder than the 37s on the 94. Wow. I go down the road and you just hear tire noise the entire time. And I'm just like, this is nuts. I was, and it's, it's one of those things. It's like, 
it doesn't like when I say it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me cause I'm used to tire noise, but at the same time, it's like on this truck, I don't need aggressive mud trains pounding the highway most of the time. That tire drone can kind of wear on you, especially on long what, trips. What, it doesn't so much wear, it can actually put you to sleep. I've actually had that happen a couple times with the 94 back when I had the Nitto um, mud grapplers on there. Um, yeah, those those tires. You sounded like a B-52 bomber coming down the road, and on a long trip, do you'd find yourself starting to nod off and you're like, no, this isn't good. So <laughs> my buddy Joey had, uh, what is it? The Nitto mud grapplers. Yeah. That's the one and, that I was just talking about. Yeah. They're they same one that kind of like just overly aggressive looking like the sidewall has like a lizard skin look to it or something. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, he had those on his F one fifty. So yeah. Holy Ooh. shit. That's loud. That- that poor, that poor front end, those tires are rough on IFS. Dude, it was like, I swear to God, you could feel the vibration as like every individual lug was making contact with the pavement. Yep. It was just the gnarliest thing ever. I I had pro comps before the Falcons that are on mine now. Like I've, I've since I've had this truck, I've just had like, mud terrain tires on it which are a little bit noisy but like they kind of fit like the look of it and the pro comps were just super super noisy and dude these falcon wild peak mts are the quietest big tire i've ever like been in a car and like heard like they're i don't know the exhaust you hear my exhaust way more than you hear the tires like I'm super, super impressed with how quiet those things are for being as aggressive a tread pattern they are. Nice. And supposedly, you know, the general grabbers, like the yes, the mm-hmm. regular, the I regular just, ones, though. Yeah. yeah, those are supposedly really quiet too. The ones that have like the three like slashes in each lug, like they kind of look like a B- BFG Baja TA, but like yep. have a couple. Yeah, super sick looking tire, but yeah, supposedly those are nice and quiet too. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm kind of torn. So like, I was like, okay, do I go the AT3s or I have a soft spot because I had them on the GMC, the um, the Nitto um, Ridge Grapplers. Because mm-hmm. they're a, a hybrid tire. They kind of got like the mud shoulder lugs, but the center pattern is like an all-terrain. So You're just yeah. talking about tires gives me anxiety. They are so goddamn expensive. Well, it's that it's, you know, you want to make sure you're going to get something or at least with me, I want to make sure I'm going to get something that I'm happy with because I know this is like entirely different than, you know, RC, but, um, I mean, I know people personally that treat Facebook marketplace, like they'll, they'll buy a set of tires and wheels off there that'll work for their vehicle, run them for like two months because they know they're going to get bored of them and then they throw them back up for sale or they trade and then somebody else trades them for this. And I mean, that's what they live off of. They live off of trading and buying on Facebook marketplace. They never buy anything new because they constantly are changing. I'm like, I just don't know how you do it. I don't know how you can change, you know, your wheels and tires that many times. Yeah. I'm kind of like a one and done. Like I have a vision. This is what I want. I get it and I run it. Yeah, that's how I am too. Like I'm just not, I don't know. (laughs) I don't have that kind of time to spend on stuff like that either though. 
yeah, like, that, that too. That would be like a super silly use of my time. But anywho, yeah. Well, I guess we won't bore anybody any longer with our uh, truck talk, old man tire talk. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. This fun, you guys. It yes, was. it was. All right. See everybody later. See you guys See you soon. Next week.